Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello and welcome to Secret Artists Podcast, the podcast where funny people do art and have a chat. Something for everyone if you like that sort of thing. My name's Annie McGraw, I'm your host, and this week I'm joined by the fantastic comedian and artist, Beck Hill. It was lovely to chat to Beck, and I'm very grateful to her for her time, given that we recorded this over Zoom because she's in Australia at the moment, and it was last thing at night for her, first thing in the morning for me. Um, she, She was lovely to talk to, and we had a nice time drawing some birds, whilst chatting all things creative. Very interesting to hear about uh, how she manages having ADHD with her job. And we had a lovely chat. If you want to see our artworks from the episode, remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SecretArtPod. See you on the other side. Beck Hill is an award-winning comedy performer and writer who hosts her own family-friendly CITV series, Makeaway Takeaway, encouraging audiences to use recycled materials to create unique pieces of art. In her live shows, she's known for using handcrafted props and has amassed a big social media following from her paper puppetry. Beck has appeared on multiple comedy panel shows, including 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, The Jonathan Ross Show, Jonathan Ross's Comedy Club, and every season of The Dog Ate My Homework. She's an all-round creative gal, and I'm excited about having her on the podcast. Hello, Beck. Hey! Hi, Addie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, my goodness. I'm amazing, because I'm in Australia right now, and so it's like all my batteries have been recharged. Yeah, thanks so much for doing this with the sort of 10 and a half hour time difference, or 11 and a half, is it? Ten and a half. Yeah. Ten and a half. In You're Adelaide. in Adelaide with your fam. Is I don't. That right? oh, I don't mind. I've had a great day. Went for a bike ride. It's been. It's been glorious. It's so. It's so much easier to get out of bed when the weather's warm. Yeah, I bet it is a really. The day I'm talking to you, it's January. It was like pitch black when I got up. It's pissing it down <laughs> with rain. It's really, really bleak. So well, uh, I. We're, I we're on Zoom right now and your room and your general disposition uh counter that i never would have guessed it was a rainy bleak morning oh, everything nice. everything around you and about you <laughs> is uh, streaming pure annie mcgrath sunshine that's nice i've had a very strong coffee that might be something to do with it oh um, yeah <laughs> so we're well, how how's it been how long have you been there for we did you go back for christmas yeah, yeah. So this is the first time I've had Christmas with my family in Australia for mm. like, 
think the last time was like 2009. Oh, wow. Or, or thereabouts, maybe 2011. Either way, yeah. it was more than a decade ago. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, so it was really nice to be back for Christmas. And it's the first time I've been back since before the pandemic. Wow. So was I just hadn't emotional? seen my family at all. Yeah, yeah. But I've been, so I can, I'm over here for two months. I've already been here for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, just ticked over into the second half of my visit. And I'm, I'm having to do work again yeah. Um, because I can't justify going away for two months and not doing any work. But are you gigging was, over there? I'm sort of pacing out. Um, I Not officially. I sort of didn't want to come over with that in mind because yeah. I knew that then I would just – it's just been so long since I've seen everyone. I didn't want to feel like on top yeah. of that I've got all this other stuff. Um, but I am, um, I say that I am, I'm putting on a show this Friday, um, mm-hmm. just with some local comics and we're going to just do some new material. Nice. Hashtag new year, new material. Yeah. yeah. New year, new year, new material. Yeah. Talk to me about your choice of muse. Oh, well, I'm going to talk to you about my medium first. Cause this oh, is yes. what I'm so excited about. So when I was, uh, very little, you know, how you can get those magic painty things where, you can still get them today where it's like uh, it looks like a coloring in book and yeah. then you just add water and it like colors in the picture. Yeah. you like get a little wet brush and then like the color appears on the page and you're like three years old and you're like, oh, I'm painting. Look how yeah, good yeah, I yeah. am. But you're just adding water. And I thought that was the most amazing thing in the whole world. And then my mum introduced me to uh, – watercolor pencils or aquarelles, mm. uh, depending on where you are. And she was like, well, these are like that. These are like magic pencils. And so she got me like a little set of watercolor pencils. So I would do my little, I would draw with them as you would color pencils. Mm-hmm. But then she would give me a little pot of water and I'd go over it and be like, oh, now it's a painting. Oh, and, that's um, so nice. I loved, I loved doing pictures with those. And I think towards the end of high school or maybe when I'd finished high school, I think one Christmas, they, my parents got me a 72 set of watercolour pencils, lovely Derwent ones. Wow. And, um, uh, and their mum's still got them and they're almost completely full. <laughs> like they're not too short. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah. So, so I'm going to use these. to the medium of your childhood art. I love that. Yeah. That's really cool. And I do not use them in the way that I'm sure they're intended. I will be using them like I did as a child. <laughs> um, and we'll uh, we'll see what the results are. I did go out and get some watercolour paper, though, because oh, I've grown up you. a little bit. <laughs> nice. Um, and <laughs> what is it that we're going to be drawing today or painting? I'm going to have an attempt at a budgie. Mm-hmm. I'm specifically going to try and do my mum's budgie, Bob. <gasps> Your um, mum has a budgie. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. But well, we had a we had budgies pretty much my whole life. And when I was younger, we had a budgie called Baldrick. Uh, both both names of these budgies have come from Red uh, not Red Dwarf we did have one called Holly from Red Dwarf oh I loved Red Dwarf and Bob are from Blackadder so Bob um, is the name of his girlfriend at one point Um, so have you got a budgie in that house that you're in now yeah yeah there's a lovely little budgie drawing from life 
I wish I could, but but she is in the other end of the house where the sound quality is not so great. Right, fair enough. So, um, so she's yeah, not doing she is not tame today. enough to come and join me in the cupboard. I think yeah. she'd freak out a bit about being in a cupboard. Oh uh, yeah, for the um, listener, Beck is in her mum's cupboard. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my mum's. Well, my mum's walk-in wardrobe. It sounds fancy. Yeah. It's just in Australia. There's a lot more space. And this is still yeah. a relatively small house compared to other places in Australia, but she's a walk-in wardrobe. It's like you've been um, grounded which is a, sitting in her cupboard. It is a bit, but it's so, I was saying this before we started recording that normally when I record podcasts back in London, I'm in a much smaller c- closet. Yeah. So this is, this is like a, this is amazing. It's a luxury. I actually yeah, did have. good. It's such a luxury. I had, I did have to send a message the other day for another podcast that I'm recording. And I said, we have to be done by midnight. Otherwise my mum will kick me out of her wardrobe. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what, hashtag what showbiz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Beck's going up in the world. <laughs> yeah. If the theme is birds, I recently went to South Africa for a job and I went to see the African penguins. Have you ever been to <gasps> South Africa? No. They were really cool. There's this place called Simon's Town and um, I took about a thousand photos of these penguins. They're sort of in their natural habitat on the shore, but there's like a penned off sort of wooden pathway where you can go and view them from. And I've got this, I don't know if you can see that on the screen, but it's a a photo of two. um, They look like a couple. There's two penguins sort of gazing into each other's eyes. So I might oh, they're very them. cute. They were so cute, but they absolutely stank of fish. You you do a lot of illustrations for your shows and stuff, don't you? What's your sort of inspiration for those? Ah, oh, well, most of the time, some sort of pun <laughs> uh, yeah. is probably my main inspiration. Uh, it's usually, I I do like to do stuff that's to music or um, you know, something else whether it's a story or, or something like that, mm-hmm. because I find it much easier to think of something funny to accompany something, you know, a bit more serious. Yeah, I find the juxtaposition quite good. So I do a lot of misheard lyrics in the flip charts just because it lends itself so nicely to that. And do you start but, from like the visual side of things or does the sort of pun come first and then you, you do the visuals like secondary to the writing? Usually the visuals come secondary. So, uh, for, for as an example, the um, misheard lyrics; those will usually be a case that I'll I'll tend to listen to a song on repeat for a really long time and go for walks and stuff. And then if I'm walking or just some sort of movement, uh, really good for going over ideas. Mm-hmm. And then just a sort of an idea will sort of form in my head a rough visual and then I tend to storyboard uh, the flip charts that I use but my version of a storyboard is very different to if you were to come across it you would just think that they were uh, the scribbles of a child uh, (laughs) in pencil they don't really make much sense there's a lot of arrows pointing everywhere because I you know uh, I tend to give everything moving components yeah and so So it's sort of of half out first sort of with the picture so I'll in fact yeah I probably come up with the moving compartments and then just trust that when I start drawing it out it will 
end up looking like not how I want it to look like, but I just accept that it will look like as it does. <laughs> so yeah. I don't spend too much time trying to do the perfect version of a picture because I know that if I do, I'll either not achieve it again or I'll be annoyed if it doesn't look as good as that. So I'll make it super rough so that the version that I, the finished version, I'm like, well, that's the good one. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm too impatient to do it again. So we're just going to have to sit with that. <laughs> And it's sort of part of your style, isn't it? That they look quite sort of handmade. They're like very impressive, but it's also feels like it's part of your craft that you can tell that they're sort of done by hand. Yeah, very much so. I tend to use crayons to colour them in, mm -hmm. which I don't know why, because I hate using crayons. <laughs> I don't know why I stick with crayons and they're such a pain. And if I go over lines, you can see it. It's waxy. It reflects. I, I don't know why. I think just I started with crayons and then didn't want to change. I might switch to pencils. At yeah. some, maybe that's what 2023 is going to be. Maybe <laughs> the colour will change to pencils. literally. Yeah, um, that's right. Maybe I just need to think outside my own Crayola box. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever paint? I love painting, but I'm not uh, – I haven't just sort of – done it in any type of um official capacity other, mm -hmm. other than w what i do on uh, make way takeaway yeah um i really enjoy doing it but i also know that it takes a lot of time and a lot of patience and i like many other um comedians have um, adhd Okay. So I find it very hard to concentrate long enough. So I say this, I literally haven't started doing my picture because I find it very hard to multitask, but I figured that by doing a very rough picture of a budgie, I could maybe yeah, get both definitely. done. Yeah, <laughs> I've started on my penguins, just so you know, so it doesn't look like I'm Are you going to name them? Um, I might name them, yeah. There's quite a few in this picture. There's about a hundred, but I'm focusing on the two and the four. We can name them all. You can what name yourself. Yeah, every single one. Um, <laughs> did you study art? I don't really know what your background is in terms of how you got into your illustrations and things. I, I enjoyed art. I always did, but I found the practical. Well, sorry, I found the theory side really boring. Mm -hmm. um, probably I would enjoy it more as an adult now, but. As mm -hmm. a kid, I just didn't have the attention span. Mm. And it was something that I always just uh, enjoyed as a hobby. But I just did as a hobby just for fun. I've always been quite crafty. I've always liked making things yeah. and coming up with silly little things. But the way the, um, the, way the art came into my comedy was um, uh, because I, I wanted to do – I had an idea for a sketch – this is back when I first started doing stand-up in Adelaide. Mm -hmm. And I had an idea for a sketch, as in like a, a skit. Comedy <laughs> sketch, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I knew that to perform it, I would either have to get someone on stage from the audience to do the other character and read a script, which at the time I, was, I hadn't been going that long and I just didn't really have the confidence to pull a stranger up on stage and trust that I could handle what would ever happen. Yeah. And, oh, the other option was I would have to get someone, like I'd have to have a comedy act partner who would come on and do a bit with me. But it was just one sketch and I was like, well, I'm not going to make Recruit someone take someone their time out just to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Instead, I drew a, I used to draw a lot of stick figure cartoons Mm -hmm. all the time. Like ever since I was, you know, my friends and I would pass notes to each other and we'd always draw these silly little stick figures. Mm -hmm. And so I did just a really big stick figure cartoon on an A2 pad. And I think I started by, with the idea of, um, I would just point to the stick figures so you know you knew who was talking because I can't do accents. I can do this one and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So I I was thought about doing that. And then I realised that, that just looked confusing as to why I was pointing at each one. And then nothing really happened either. Like the punchline just didn't quite, wasn't as strong Yeah. when you're just pointing at two stick figures. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'll give them moving mouths and then you'll know which stick figure's talking. Yeah. And then I, so I did that. And I did it on stage and the moving mouths got a bigger laugh than the skit. Right. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I think I'm onto something here. And so I just started sort of, I just went from there and just gave everything more and more different moving compartments and components Mm -hmm. as I went along. And then, yeah, eventually I ended up with, uh, you know, that sort of, getting to a stage where I just had so many, oh, I'm going to start again. I realized I started doing my budgie in portrait, but actually with the tail and everything, they're quite long. Are you painting from a photograph or are you doing it from your mind's eye? uh, I am doing a photograph because it's been so long since I've done a budgie. I used to draw budgies all the time. I love a budgie. Love a budgie. Um, we talked about this Do you have briefly a favorite before. Bird, Annie? Um, I I love a parrot. Just uh, mm. near where I live in London, we get lots of parakeets. There's a pear tree outside oh, in yes. the summer. The parakeets just love. a parakeet and a pear tree. Yeah, How exactly. I went to Australia for the first time last year to visit my brother because he lives in Sydney, and I was obsessed with the bin chickens. <laughs> I oh yeah, like yeah. The big. My mum's got one that comes to her um, bird the bath. I, they're called ibis birds. Yes. Was, yeah. They're. Um, if anyone hasn't seen them, they've got these. Uh, they're quite sort of grotesque looking. They look like cartoons. I think they've got these huge sort well, of hooked beaks. Um, and they're very common. Yeah, aren't they're they? the same ones. They're very common. They're the same ones that the Egypt, like the ancient Egyptians, worshipped. Oh, they were like really? gods. Yeah, like when you think about the birds that they would draw in like yeah. hieroglyphics, hieroglyphs and stuff, those were were ibis. Oh, yeah. But course. then then you got Aussies and we're like bin chicken. Bin chicken, yeah. I just found them it's really funny chicken. and they're really common. And I, I most of my photos from I hadn't seen my brother for like four years because of COVID, but most of my holiday photos were of the bin chickens. Yeah. Um, I felt like such a tourist, like when you see people photographing pigeons in Trafalgar Square. I, I was that, but with the pigeons. <laughs> Do people phot- photograph the pigeons in Trafalgar Square? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. I already I took I already birds. posted a photo of of um of a bin chicken in Mum's bird bath because it always makes me laugh because it's just the bird bath is not big enough for it. Yeah. <laughs> you get some beautiful birds over there, don't you? Aside from the bin chickens. Oh yeah, yeah. And my mum's quite the the amateur or, uh, orthonologist, so she mm. she's always keen to tell me about 
what birds she's you know we're driving past or she sees or whatever yeah i know we were talking about her briefly before but layla jeffries is an amazing australian bird photographer yeah which somehow i'd managed to not come across but uh, i'm sure i'm sure uh I'll be seeing her everywhere now and I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah now I know does her name. <laughs> a fair few exhibitions. She's doing really well, I think. She, um, I like the way she photographs them because they're almost like they're sort of human headshots. They're like portraits, the way she photographs yes. them with like blank backgrounds and they always have quite sort of cheeky looking faces. Yeah. And you talked a bit about having um, ADHD. How do, how do you manage that in terms of like writing and um, performing shows is it something that helps or hinders or both I would say for me it's very much why I I you know I'm, I'm one of uh one of those who, who didn't get diagnosed until much later mm-hmm. um and then everything made sense and I was like oh now I get it now I see why yeah why I um more than anything it helped me realize why other people don't do things I just assumed everyone was the same and I used to get so frustrated when people didn't seem to, you know, have the same responses to things as me or, you know, when yeah. they just seem to uh, have difficulties with things as well. You know, like I'd be like, oh, well, you know, you just do it. <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah. I can't. But then at the same time, you know, I'm on the other end where they're like, why can't you just like sit down and do this or <laughs> why can't I do this? And I'm like, because that feels like death. <laughs> Is that what <laughs> made you? That? go for a diagnosis feeling frustrated yeah yeah well I'd um for me the biggest thing was um because my husband is um very uh he's he's great but I was also just becoming more and more aware that he seemed to find things a lot easier than me and he never once sort of he's always been super understanding and he never once made me feel bad or or like I should you know be doing stuff but it frustrated me because he's very tidy and organized and on time. And I, I just felt like I'm always late and I'm always struggling with time management and mm-hmm. um, keeping things tidy and stuff and and just forgetting things a lot. And at first I thought maybe it's a sign of like early onset dementia or something because I was just like, why am I, why am I finding this so hard to... Yeah. Because I find what he does to, I I think he's such an amazing partner and he's so supportive and and a lot of my life is achievable because he does the little organizing things like makes sure there's food in the fridge, you know. Because when he go, if he goes up to he's from Scotland, if he goes up to visit his family for a bit, I I I will because I will get distracted and just not go to the shops mm. or struggle to get to the shops like. That is sometimes just the idea of leaving the flat on my own sometimes is really hard mm. and it's very hard to explain. But, you know, if I don't have something like if I don't have work or something where I'm being accountable to another person in, except for myself, find it very hard to find that a big enough motivator in itself. Yeah. And so I just won't buy food. And so I'll just eat like cereal for days until I run out of cereal. And then like mm. I've I've had like ketchup on toast before because it was the only stuff in the flat oh but um, that's, that's no life no no that's <laughs> it and I just and I was just like 
I want to be able to do those things for him and mm-hmm. why can't I? And he doesn't he never asked me to, but I just felt like I was a terrible partner and that that was not coming from him at all. It was just mm-hmm. my observations of being like, why can't I do this for someone that I love? And uh and I'd spoken to the doctor to say, is there a chance that there's like you know, some, some neurological thing going on. Mm -hmm. And they gave me an ADHD assessment form. And then I forgot. (laughs) And I found it two years later when I was like, you've got it. Yeah. (laughs) That was part of the test. I forgot. I forgot I'd gone to that. I forgot I'd gone to the doctor. I forgot that I'd told them I was struggling. I just, like, I just forgot everything. It just Mm -hmm. went in an inbox somewhere and and then I found it during lockdown and I was like, oh crap. I was meant to fill this out for the doctor. And obviously by then the NHS was like so busy. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, you know, nothing will happen there. And then uh, around the same time, one of my close friends who is wired uh, so similarly to me, mm-hmm. um, she was diagnosed. And then my cousin back in Adelaide contacted me because he'd, just been diagnosed and his psychiatrist had told him that it could be, it can sort of run in the family oh, right. and asked if he, if he had any family members with it. Yeah. And he was like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure my cousin has it. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you've got it. Don't you? And I was like, um, no, but actually weirdly, maybe I need to get checked out. Yeah. And so. Oh, wow. So it was yeah, almost I, quite a relief when you did get a formal diagnosis. In terms yeah, of if you it was. were wondering if it might be dementia or something. I mean Yeah, it well, it made me feel so much like more relieved because I was like, okay. And also because there's just so many there's so many strategies out there, um, you know, to try and cope with it that yeah. I'd never really come across before or tried and, and so that was really useful. And also just being able to communicate it as well, like like I said before, my, my husband's very understanding and he knows that I'm very messy. Um, I don't like being messy. I actually really like tidiness. My mum's place is super tidy. Um, you know, I've been lucky. I had very tidy housemates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like living in, in a tidy space, but I find it hard to be tidy myself. Mm-hmm. And I sort of was trying to, exp- like I was trying to say, like, I don't know why why I can't because he does really like things to be tidy he can't relax unless things are tidy yeah and um and then when we found that out and it means that when you leave things out you sort of do it as um the way I do it is because I I have issues with memory and so if things I'm very visual as well so if things aren't in front of me it's it's like it's the literal out of sight out of mind thing so if um, something comes, let's say a letter comes in for me, but I'm in the middle of doing something else when it arrives, I will put it on the counter and it stay. It could stay there for days, but if you do anything else with it, I will never open it. It needs to stay on the counter until I see it again at some point and my yeah. brain's in the right position to go, oh, open that now. got a hairdresser I really like and she's nice to talk to but I still just I find that I'm so boring (laughs) and I just hate um I'm just thinking about the I'm laughing because of the irony of hosting your own podcast um and saying how much you hate making conversation but I um (laughs) 
<laughs> I feel like back in the sort of 90s era of going to the hairdressers, they would just give you a pile of magazines and you'd be like, great, there's oh. like a mutual understanding here that I'm going to look down at these magazines. And now that print is dead, I feel just too rude getting my phone out, even though that's what all of us ever want to do. Just look at our Well, face. you know what the answer is? What? Take take your own magazines in. No one can tell you off for taking a magazine and oh, reading it. that's a good it. idea. Because they'll be like, oh, you're serious. You need to read that thing. Yeah, I'm actually a serious reader. I've got a copy of Red magazine here. You know what um, magazine I, I, I am subscribed to? I subscribed to it during the uh, lockdown. What's that? Uh, Shout. <laughs> Shout. I didn't know that they yeah. still made that. Yeah, so um, it is so ruddy wholesome. I tell you, so we didn't get shout here. So for me, it's also like, oh, I'm I'm getting some culture. So did you get your like celeb goss from there? The celebrity goss in shout is stuff like Taylor Swift has a new cat. <laughs> it's so lovely. It's so lovely. And I got it because I, I started uh, writing books for uh, kids mm. um, or for like a 11 to 12 year old, uh, sorry, eight to 12 year olds. And I wanted to check that my references weren't too outdated. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, you know, I'll get this. I'll, I'll skim through it. And um, no one's ever, you know, not liked some uh, free cheap makeup. Yeah. <laughs> the freebies are great. I love it. And ha- So what, what made you want to write a book for kids? I know you've performed a lot of, um, well, you won an award, didn't you, for Best Kids Show at Leicester Comedy Festival? Yeah. So um, yeah. what made you want to write a kid's show and then a kid's book? Does it differ writing a show for kids as oh, yeah. to adults? What's the, is the process very oh, different? For, oh, um, no, the, the process for running a show for kids and adults. In fact, the show that won the award in Leicester was actually called Beckhill Treats You Like a Child for an Hour. Okay. And so all it was is that I was going to do an hour of family-friendly material. Mm-hmm. But it was at like, I think it was at like six o'clock at night. So I was like, this, this is fine. For like, you can bring your kids if they want to feel like they're coming to a grown up gig. This yeah. is child friendly, this, this show. But there will be other adults there uh, that don't have children <laughs> who just want to, s- that it's like, it, it'd be like if I was doing an hour long show as per usual. It just so happens that all the material is child friendly. Yeah. So I did all my child-friendly stuff and I did some stuff that is more aimed at kids, but it works for adults as well. It's just that the whole idea was like, just hang your adulthood at the door, you know? Um, mm-hmm. If I if I say that we're going to play a silly game or uh, do a silly call and response song, then you have to join in because that's what the kids do yeah. and you're not cooler than them. So get on board. And they did. I think it's just sometimes people need permission to act like a child or even yeah. to be told that that's what's expected. I think a lot of people really miss acting like kids yeah. and the silliness and the play of it all. Do you think kids are more honest audience members than adults? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, but the first kids stuff I did was with uh, Tom Goodliffe. It's mm-hmm. a fellow comic. Um, well, actually uh, he's not, he's not anymore. No bad reasons. He just wanted, you know, to be able to afford a house. <laughs> yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, um, 
he and I were doing one of our first shows that we did. A kid yelled out, "Stop! Stop acting like a child!" <laughs> that's I was like, so "Oh, funny. that's kind of the whole point." So, uh... so you're doing your show or a new material show in Australia this week. I just wondered, uh, do you prefer gigging in the UK or Australia, or how much do you find the audiences differ? Oh, good question. Um, it's a it's tricky because the last few times that I've done shows in Australia. Um, there's been a long time between, you know, there might be a couple of years between me having done a last show there mm-hmm. and here and I got my, you know, I started out in Adelaide and then I lived in Melbourne for a while. And so I kind of have, uh, I still have like a little fan base here in Melbourne uh, who yeah. have sort of followed me online and seen what I'm doing over in the UK so that when I do return to Adelaide and Melbourne, I get a nice little audience. Yeah. And so on, you know, I would say the gigs here when I do them, uh, the hit rate is higher because there's a bit more. Um, more of a fan base. It's like they appreciate it more. Yeah. Because they're, they're like, well, you know, this is the only chance we might get to see her. So yeah. they're already on board and they're already sort of wanting to laugh. And that's half the battle. That's nice. But I think. I wouldn't be doing what I do if it weren't for British audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's probably, I don't think I've done enough like gig, gig type things over here to compare it. It's been so long. Yeah. I, I don't know if after a while people would be just as lovely <laughs> or whether that would wear off quite quickly. Um, what made you decide to move to the UK to pursue comedy? Uh, a few factors. Um, one was just that I'd heard that there were more opportunities in the UK, which there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was quite a few other sort of Aussie comics who had moved over there to do the same and, and done quite well out of it. Yeah. And then, uh, around the same time I, uh, met my now husband, he was my, um, he was actually my uh, front of house, my usher for my first solo show in Melbourne. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is he still so, in the biz? Uh, no, no, no. He was, um, he did a little bit, he did it for a little while. In fact, actually he is technically, he he runs the bookshop at the National Theatre. Oh, nice. So, um, so he is sort of within, within that world. Mm-hmm. And, is, yeah, he, and is, his, is he from he, Melbourne? Uh, he's from Scotland, so he's oh, yeah, working visa. He was just coming to the end of his working visa when wow. we met. And then I went, well, now seems good a time as any. Yeah. And Amazing. yeah, I, my mum's from uh, Derbyshire originally, so I was very lucky. I was able to apply for my British passport. Oh, nice. Um, which is such a privilege. And the, as time goes on, I, I feel even more thankful for it. It, yeah. it did feel like it meant more when we were still in the EU, <laughs> but yeah. um, but I'm still very thankful for it. Yeah, I'm lucky I've got an Irish passport, which I got just after Brexit. Mm. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Scotsman once described you as a multicolored ray of eternal sunshine. In a world of pain and darkness, her total lack of cynicism is refreshing, which is such a nice quote. Um, I think often comedians are quite cynical people. Do you consider yourself to be sort of totally uncynical? Uh, not at all. In fact, that what year was... Do you know what year that was? I don't know what year that was. I don't know what year that was. I can check. Because my 2019... Well, 2018 in Soho Theatre and 2019 at Fringe was like uh, basically me dealing with the fact, just with everything and the dystopian age mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, looking at um, all the issues that I think are wrong with society. <laughs> and it was probably my, but it was very silly. It was a really silly show, yeah. but it was also incredibly dark. Um, uh, and it took a lot out of me as well. In fact, I it, it's weird because after 2019, I was like, okay, I need to take a break for a while. Like I really enjoyed doing that show and it felt important and funny, mm-hmm. but, I, but I found it very... Um, uh, exhausting. Mm. I think it took a lot of my took a lot of my uh, sunshine away. Oh, really? <laughs> so I needed to take a break so I could recharge and go back yeah. into it. And then lockdown happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, I try not to be cynical. I think the well, thing is, I am very cynical, and so I actively, actively try to counter that. Yeah. So it sounds like your approach to. That kids, not the kids show, but the Leicester show that you were describing sounds very uncynical in terms of like getting audiences to play and revert back to more childlike states of enjoying performance. That does sound uncynical to me. Yeah, I suppose. um, Yeah, it depends what. Well, everyone's cynical about something, aren't they? I think I'm very uncynical when it comes. I don't take the arts seriously. Mm -hmm. Um. I think I'm quite uncynical when it comes to creativity. Uh, I think you have to be. Yeah. Because otherwise no one would create anything yeah. if it was too cynical. But yeah. I suppose when it comes to, to things like um, uh, like philosophy and stuff or, or I don't know, I guess politics and things like that, I can get quite – I try and sort of – debate things even if just with myself but just to make sure that I'm not immediately writing things off just because that feels right yeah do you have any favorite artists I would say weirdly I think my favorite artists are um are, are cartoonists yeah um I really like Gemma Coral. um she does some lovely cute uh comics yeah they're not all cute but um in fact, she had one, I think, that was on a lot of greeting cards and stuff like that. But it's like a very cute spider saying like, 
I made this from my bum or something mm. <laughs> on a cobweb. Yeah. And I just love that. I love, um, I think what I love about cartoonists and, and comics, um, and, and I mean specifically more sort of one frame or four frame comic strips, yeah. is that quite often there's such a good way, it's the same with comedy, it's such a good way of showing an observation from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate when people do that um, with with silliness and with love and, and kindness. And what's so lovely about, you know, a spider saying like, I made this with my bum or whatever, mm. is just that it just gives something that people generally find quite scary or creepy. It just gives it like a, just like, Oh, imagine if it was like that. And yeah. it and it makes those creatures just a little it makes the world just a little less terrifying. Yeah. And I, I think there's I think it's such a gift when people are able to do that. It's something that I have tried for <laughs> um uh in many different ways, but I, I just it makes me really happy. I love seeing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's like um uh Lovenstein does um, some quite, I mean, you could say quite cynical, dark stuff. Mm. Then some really silly stuff as well. There's one one I was laughing at the other day, which is um, uh, somebody brings their baby to work and then the baby's like, the boss like shakes the baby's hand. Mm. Um, and then the boss is like, oh, that's a very strong grip. And you can see that he's in like a lot of pain. Mm. And then the last frame is just like this tiny baby sitting at like the CEO desk. And that's it. <laughs> There's just like, just, uh, uh, just the top of a baby's head behind a desk is enough to like, you yeah. know, make me, <laughs> make me smile when I think about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, um, there's a lot of, uh, if I start naming them, it's just going to be me naming cartoonists for ages. You're drawn to sort of more playful, like sillier stuff. Yeah. And I think, like, I do love, um, there's some incredible artists that I follow, which uh, I don't, it's embarrassing. I don't know, by, I, it's not that I don't know them by name because they're not like memorable. It's just that I, there's a lot of people I don't know by name. But yeah. When I have to message my friends, I have to look at who I've, who I've texted on WhatsApp recently. And I've literally forgot, like if I have good news and I want to tell my closest friends, I'll just look at who I've texted on WhatsApp recently. And if I like the, if, if I haven't messaged a close friend recently, they just, I just forget that they're my friend. I just forget <laughs> that, that they exist and that I should tell them. I've done that with like, since being here, there've been, what was it? Something happened I can't remember, but I literally later went, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell Gav. Like I told other people before I told my husband because I hadn't messaged him as recently, recently. as my other close friends. Yeah, like, oh, I forgot yeah and it's just, I forgot it. It's just because then like, yeah, it needs to be like a medium, as I said, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So I know I have a husband, <laughs> but it just <laughs> didn't occur to me because I was just like, who have I texted most recently? Yeah. They are probably the more important ones. Do you own any art? I think I, I own prints mm. of stuff. Oh, actually, I do. Um, back in London, I have a watercolour that... So my nan on my dad's side, um, she's my uh, last remaining uh, grandparent. Mm-hmm. She 
is uh, is a wonderful artist and very gifted watercolorist. Um, oh, nice. She's incredible. And she does uh, – I asked her – she's got very, very um, – I forget – rheumatoid arthritis is it? I can't remember but her yeah. hands are quite quite bent over and she's still mm. um they've been like that for years she still did this incredible um landscape oh, picture wow. of the view from their place uh when when she was still living with my grandfather uh, just outside of Adelaide That's and very um of the bay, of sort of the bay yeah it's beautiful and um my mum had been looking after it uh, for quite a while and then I think it was the last time I was here I, I brought it back with me and um, during lockdown I, I managed to hang it up when I got around to putting up all the other bits of art oh and Tom Crowley Tom Crowley is an amazing artist mm. um, who used to be in the Sad Faces yeah he's brilliant I've always liked his graphic stuff uh, but then he I, I had a bit of a I'm sorry the books I write are called Horror Heights and um, the illustrator for that, Barrett, oh, I, I, I can't pronounce Barrett's surname, which is very embarrassing because I've never had to say it aloud because it's all <laughs> done via emails. Um, Pegmeski, Pe, oh, I think it's Turkish. He's, just, he's an incredible illustrator. He's amazing. But we didn't have enough time to get him to do a full map. And so mm. I commissioned uh, Tom Crowley to do the map of Horror Heights for me um, based off a ton of notes. And he turned it around in record time and it's incredible. And so I have a really big print of it um, cool. on my wall at home, um, which is also just useful for me because when I'm writing and I need a reference for where the characters are in the town, yeah. I know where they're... I could, you know, I could look at it and go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They would have to walk through here to get to here. Um, but also cool. it's just, it's really, it's really pretty. It's really nice. I think, you know, there's something very enjoyable about, about maps, but also it's a sort of, uh, um, oh, I forgot the term. There's a term for it. Isometric. Yes, you, isometric. Uh, so, yeah, the map's all done like an isometric style. Um, nice. So it's very pleasing. It's, there's something satisfying about looking at, at stuff that's done in that style. Yeah, it sounds quite mathematical. And am I right in thinking you do a podcast with a mathematician? Yeah, yeah. I do a podcast called A Problem Squared and it's with Matt Parker, who's a, who is a celebrity mathematician, if you can imagine such a thing. Yeah. I always tell people he's the most famous person you've never heard of <laughs> because it, in his... The people who do know him love him so much. And that, I find that really strange. He's a fellow Aussie. And so he and I have gotten, we've like, we've, we've been mates for ages. And I have was always like, ah, you can do your geek thing. <laughs> and then he, he brought out a book called Humble Pie, a comedy of maths errors. Mm. And I was like, ah, oh, I'll order it just to be a good friend. Yeah. And, um, it, and it was like a Sunday Times bestseller. And I was like, you're welcome. Um, and so uh, I was like, oh, I'll read it. And it was the first book in ages that I was able to read. I find I love reading, but if I can't read a book in like, if I can't just hyper focus and read it in like two days straight without putting it down, it just doesn't. If I don't finish it in one or two days, it just doesn't get finished. Mm. And 
there's something about nonfiction that I found as an adult. I was like, oh, this is I this can be chunked up and it and then there's no narrative that I will lose if I put this down for a while. I can yeah. pick this back up and pick up where I left off and it's fine. Oh, nice. And um and yeah, his was the first one I'd like finished in ages. And it was really good and really funny. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to do a – he'd been saying we should do a podcast for a while. And I was like, dude, I'm a comedian. I have like yeah. five podcasts already. Like, Come back to me when you're a Sunday Times bestseller and then we'll talk. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, and then he was and I was like, oh, okay, actually I need to, I need to ride these coattails. Yeah. Paintings or comics? Oh, comics. Portrait or landscape? Landscape. Can you separate the art from the artist? Actually, I'll go back. Portrait. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, you can within reason. Adelaide or London? Oh, mm, Adelaide. Tortured artist. But I want to bring everyone from London to Adelaide and then we'll all be happy. Okay, you can do that. Tortured artist or methodical mathematician? Ooh, methodical mathematician. Talk about or think about art? Both. Looking at a painting close up or far away? Oh, close up, real close. I want to see the brush strokes. Mmm... Private view or view of privates? <laughs> uh, again, uh, both. I want a private view of someone's privates, please. Nice. Painting from life, landscape or still life? Still life. I, um, not still life. What was, it? wait. Yeah, still life. Because that, what's the difference between life and still life? I guess from life is, would be with like a life model, like a human or a animal or something. And then a still life would be like a, a plant or a skull or some grapes or a, a flower, yeah. you know? Yeah, something's sedentary. Yeah. Uh, yeah, still, still life. I, do you know what? I bloody love landscape mm. art. I, I want so much to do landscape art and I try it all the time and... <laughs> And it never looks as pretty as the actual landscape. I can never <laughs> capture what na- nature has already perfected. Yeah, um, na- nature. It won't knows stop what me doing. from trying, but but yeah. Uh, whereas I can, you know, I can compete. I draw. I, I tend at home. I got into painting my troll dolls because I've got a bunch of troll dolls. Oh wow! Um, that was uh, and just just for me but <laughs> just like yeah, the they learn themselves the quite well to sort of cartoony <laughs> illustrations don't they yeah yeah exactly art or music art art or books art and finally comedy or art ah comedy thank you very much but i would argue comedy is art yes i would agree with that 100 <laughs> percent. three two two one one Oh, wow, Annie, that's so that. beautiful. That's so cute. Very, I really ve- like it's it. It's very uh, high school art project, but um, no, I, I don't like really it. get an excuse to do this stuff. It's Normally really when I do nice. stuff, it's the stuff that's in shows. I like the detail and, of the... And then it needs to be... Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's 
strong. <laughs> Yours is gorgeous. I've always, um, I steadied myself because I knew that when I did this with you, whatever you did would look stunning. And, no, and I, I wasn't wrong. And a, unless a person like would that. compare themselves and feel terrible, but I, I've been around this earth long enough. No, to, I can um, do that. I, I'm not good at um, drawing like that. That sort of illustrative drawing, I, I wouldn't be able to do. So. <laughs> We both have our things going on. I think you'd learn how to do mine much quicker. <laughs> but, I don't know um, about that. <laughs> um, Beck, thank you so much. It's been nice to chat to you. And thank you so much for doing it of, a, of an evening as well, whilst you're you too, supposed to be on in holiday, the morning. not working. <laughs> so thank oh, you. Oh, well, this is a holiday still. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for oh, having good. me. And is there anything to plug other than A Problem Squared, your brilliant podcast? Is there anything, have you got shows back in London or is that TBC? Oh, there will be shows in London. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know what, uh, but um, people can follow me on social media. I'm at Beck Hill Comedian or Be Chill Comedian if they read it wrong. <laughs> and uh, the third Horror Heights book, Dead Ringer, will be coming out, I think, in March. And uh, you don't have to have read the other two. To, they're all separate sort of books they work on their own mm -hmm. I won't lie I think it's uh, I just finished it today yeah. um, the final edits of the final draft and sent it off and um, I've actually I know it took me two published uh, published attempts but I think I've finally nailed how to write a book now oh well done that's <laughs> I'm very amazing. proud of it yeah Great. yeah yes, so, so um, that ASAP Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, then why not write us a lovely five-star review? We're very grateful for those. Um, remember to follow Beck on social media if you're not already doing so. Her handle is at Beck Hill Comedian on Instagram and Twitter. Remember, if you want to see our artworks from today, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Secret Art Pod. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Goodbye. Secret Artists is a Turtle Canyon comedy production for Acast. Music by Alistair Clayton. Quickfire Round Music by Steve Dunn. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.